This service is our Veterans Day service. Uh, we are going to be hearing from uh, three members of our church who are veterans. But there are times it can seem that uh, being military and being UU may be a little contradictory. If, for example, you're trying to plan a ser uh, service about the military and begin looking for UU uh, readings on the nature of conflict, <laughs> you will find very few. <laughs> And most of them are about not doing it. <laughs> uh, so we're going to hear from, uh, uh, we, uh, actually, unfortunately, we have at least one active duty member and several members who are former military. Steve was unfortunately unable to be here. But, uh, our first speaker is Robert McClendon. thing I noticed about real war as opposed to the movies? Anybody want to wager a guess? When, when they're actually shooting real bullets and people are jumping around and things are blowing up, there's no music playing in the background. <laughs> I remember one rainy night we were trying to build a shelter and I looked at these other Marines and I thought to myself, you know, if we were 10 years old, this would seem like a whole lot of fun. A sergeant once asked me what I was going to do when I came back from Vietnam. And I said I was going to grow my hair long and protest this war, and someday I was going to write about it. Well, it was a long time later, but I did. And this book uh, got honorable mention at the New York Book Festival. The uh, epilogue I decided was a good fit for today. Washington, D.C., 1992. A soft rain was falling as twilight turned his beckons day into night. Other vets quickly walked past the slow-moving man with the cane. With a little more light, they might have noticed the Navy cross among the ribbons on the faded shirt. Many vets were on their way to reunions that were going on all over town. Thousands of modern-day warriors had gathered here to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the Vietnam Wall. Many were seeing the wall for the first time. The man in the corpsman's shirt stopped and gripped the cane tightly. Are you all right, Doc? I recognized him from a party the night before at the Sheridan, where hundreds of Marines and former Marines had gathered to celebrate the 217th birthday. The old corpsman had helped cut the cake with an officer's sword. Any corpsman that ever served in a Marine combat outfit was considered a due honorary member by most Marines. Jim Mayton was a deuce paid member of that special brotherhood. He had saved hundreds of Marines in Korea and Vietnam. The man with the cane trembled as he looked at me. I'm almost out of gas. I'm only running on two cylinders. He paused while he fought for another breath. Advanced emphysema and his refusal to stop smoking made even the shortest walk seem like a forced march uphill with a full pack. I nodded at a park bench that was a few feet away. Have a seat, Doc. We'll figure something out. 
A green beret was walking by and offered to, saw what was happening, offered to help. We thought about carrying him to a taxi, but his bad hip killed that idea. A park ranger came by driving an electric cart. I explained the situation. She asked me, do you know how to drive one of these things? I smiled, I'm a golfer. <laughs> she gave me the cart. I drove Jim back up to the street and hailed a cab. He waited in the back while I returned the cart. We took the cab over to the Sheridan, settled in on a couch in the lobby. Jim ordered a, a gin and tonic and lit a cigarette. His eyes followed a pretty woman walking by. Other Marines entering the hotel saw Jim and stopped to say hello. Everyone from generals to privates treated the old corpsman with respect and affection. Jim still wanted to see the wall. After a BLT sandwich and one more gin and tonic, we held another taxi. This, this time, three Marines went with him. We borrowed a wheelchair from the hotel. There were over 58,000 names etched in gray letters on the black granite wall. That night, Jim went to see just one, Edward Gaffney Creed. After picking up some wounded Marines, the young corpsman's helicopter went down, killing everyone on board. Among the wreaths of fresh-cut flowers, they found the name. Jim's eyes filled with tears. As he, as he rubbed his fingers across the gray letters, he was a ski bomb. Once he kicked my butt. Quietly, Jim said the goodbye he never had the chance to say in Vietnam. At times like these, some say the wall weeps as raindrops slowly slide down the smooth black granite. Jim Layton passed away in the summer of 1993. He was buried with... He was buried with full military honors. At his request, a small piece of black granite was added to his headstone. So I'm Bennett Upton. Uh, I was in the Air Force from 1996 to 2014. I retired a little while back. But um, I'd just like to tell you a little bit of a story today. Um, so what kind of got me thinking about it was, uh, like in basic training, um, I can remember one of the first few days that we were there after we'd already gotten our clothes and everything. And, and uh, well, we sat down in the day room and, uh, you know, we were all sitting down cross-legged because a lot of times basic training in the Air Force is, is an awful lot like kindergarten. And um, our training instructor was asking us, you know, um, why we had all come to be there and, and why we had signed up. And 
and and asked you know people to raise their hands, and she listed out a few responses, and and um, you know one of them was you know people who were being altruistic, who just wanted to serve their country, um, and she said that it was okay if people didn't answer for that reason, because a lot of people didn't answer for that reason, and uh, you know then. Uh, you know, there's also a lot of other reasons why you might have come in that you could raise your hand for. There was a school, um, you know, if you wanted to get a GI Bill, there was travel, there was pay, you know, you get some cash out of the deal, some training in a, in a technical skill. Or uh, some people just needed the discipline of being able to wake up every day and get to work. Um, and, and for me personally, I was, I was kind of stuck in my life. Uh, you know, I, I really didn't have any training. I was doing a job landscaping, not making a whole lot of money. Uh, just and my life didn't seem like it was going anywhere at all. And uh, the military offered a lot of alternatives. You know, they, they took care of a lot of the details for me. You know, they, they, gave, me, uh, they gave me health insurance. They gave me, uh, you know, money and, and housing. They gave me clothes to wear. They actually gave me all the clothes that I needed um, <laughs> to include underwear and socks. You know, they, they gave me food. Like, they, they even cooked it for me. They did everything. Uh, and so, you know, uh, since I was so stuck in my life, I'd actually ask my brother if he thought I should join the military. And... Uh, and, and he said, you know, yeah, that's probably a good idea. My, my brother was in the Marine Corps. And um, so I said, well, should I join the Marine Corps? And he said, no, join the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after, you know, it wasn't very long before, you know, my life, like, felt very stabilized. And all of my basic kind of needs were, were met. And, uh, and after, uh, uh, after, you know, a couple of years, my, my, my goals turned more towards service, I guess, um, you know, I ended up doing a lot of service while I was in the service, of course. You know, we, I, I spent some time supporting the war in Kosovo. That was uh, pretty soon after I joined up. Uh, there was ethnic cleansing going on of the uh, Muslim Albanians by, the, uh, by some Serbian militias. Uh, we were supporting that from my uh, station in Germany, and then I ended up going to uh, Aviano Air Base in Italy, too, and uh, that was terrible. It was, um, it w I mean, it actually was kind of dirty, and, and it was hard, and it was a lot of work, but it was, uh, it was also a lot of fun. Um, I got a chance to support something that was larger than myself. It felt like a really good cause. Um, I supported uh, later on in my career the power grid for all of the air operations in Iraq, you know, and, uh, and I mean, like, if my generators went down, then, then people couldn't talk to each other. They couldn't call airstrikes. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and really, you know, whether you agree with a specific war or specific military action or not, you know, uh, uh, the military is the, is the hammer. And, uh, and whether you like the way that the shed came out or not, you know, the hammer can be a good hammer. And, and the military, you know, we pulled off that war in Iraq pretty well, I think. Um, later on, I was a manager, you know, I could, uh, I could help my troops to, to train and grow. I could teach people things and, and help them to be better people as better airmen and as better people outside of the military, too. You know, I, I really did feel like the, uh, the military had uh, a lot of my humanist values, a lot of my secular viewpoints, uh, and, and service before self. You know, that was a, that was a big part of the Air Force. Um, and then, you know, uh, later on, my, my brother actually got married. He was... Uh, he was married inside of a UU church, the one in Atlanta. And that was actually my first experience inside of a UU church. I'd never even heard of him before that. So it, it almost seems like I, I kind of do everything that my brother tells me to do. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty good guy. It's probably not a bad, bad idea. But, uh, but really, you know, as a UU, I, I, I appreciate that services are prayer, you know. And, and one of the first days that I, you know, the first day that I came in here that I, that I heard services are prayer, I, I really, I really, that resonated with me very strongly. Uh, love is the doctrine. Well, you know, I, as doctrines, I, I kind of tend to avoid doctrine, but, uh, you know, but I can do that one. That one's okay by me. But, uh, but service has always been really my core belief in the whole thing. And, um, 
and having an intentional and voluntary community to, to serve in. I think that uh, this church really helps to fight for the, for the hygiene requirements, for the, for the basic needs of people so that they can then grow up to be people who are, who are able to serve others. Because until you can meet your own needs, then you can't serve the needs of others. And I think that this church really helps me to kind of put that into some perspective. And, uh, and, and I, I, yeah, I, that's just one of the things that I really enjoy about this church is that um, it, it agrees with me on all my levels. And, uh, and, and in a lot of ways, so did the military. So I, I think that they're a pretty good fit. Thanks. Thank you, Bennett. And our final speaker is Sylvania Mercer. Hi, I'm Sylvania. Uh, I'm originally from California and um, uh, joined the Marines when um, in, in the uh, late 80s and um, early 90s. And um, I joined. Um, mainly to go to school, um, because I came from a poor family, and um, I didn't know anything about education. Um, and uh, that's one of the things that really interested me about um, All Souls um, as well, because the education uh, is, is important here, and uh, I feel like I'm continuing to learn as a person, and also giving back to the community. Um, while I was in the Marines, I wasn't there very long. I was only there for, um, for four years, but uh, while I was there, I learned a lot about training, a lot about exercise, a lot about giving, um, a lot about being who I am and what I'm gonna be when I grow up. Um, and I still haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> um, but um, with all the training that, uh, that they uh, were giving us as women, we didn't have a whole lot. Um, <coughs> that we could contribute uh, during that time. Um, women can do a lot more now. But um, it did help uh, me as an individual um, to learn about the needs of other people, not just my own, because coming from a poor background, um, you have a tendency to take a lot um, instead of give. And um, they actually taught more on how to, uh, to be a giver. And uh, that kind of gave me a base of what direction I wanted to go in my life, not just um, in education um, and in a career, um, but also what I wanted to do uh, for other people and how I could share that um, with people I was around and how we can, you know, do this as a group because you can't do anything by yourself, you know. Um, you can, but it's not very effective. Um, uh, one of the reasons that I uh, wanted to be part of this congregation here versus um, the others that I had um, read about um, or even attempted to visit <laughs> um, was because um, everyone here was uh, willing to uh, to see you for just who you are, and um, not everybody is as smart as everyone. Uh, you know, you, there's still a lot of differences between people um, in certain groups, um, but here, so many different groups, and uh, so many people care about each other. Just, um, 
the basics of um, your knowledge, you know, is acceptable. Um, but with the military uh, and the training and the direction and um, what kind of life that you're going to live outside of the military and what are you going to do, you know, once you're, once you're out, um, giving is one thing, but um, being part of it is quite something different. And uh, accepting others and having others accept you is also a big part of giving and being part of this community. Um, time was a big thing for, um, for me um, because I wasn't sure uh, when I was in the military if I was going to stay or get out um, when it was time to, to make that decision. Um, but I, of course, decided to get out and have a family, and I have four wonderful children, and um, of course my marriage didn't work out, but um, it brought me here, and I was able to uh, experience a new life outside of um, a lot of the horrible things that were happening where I came from, um, but this is uh, absolutely a wonderful place for um, experiencing new things even though it's a small community and you think that you don't impact others, they're watching and um, they're going to ex they're going to be part of the experience um, you may not realize what an impact you are making but even a small one is, um, is good enough sometimes um, to help make uh, decisions um, for what sort of life you're going to lead and, and what you're going to do um, for your community. Um, but one of the things that the, the Marine Corps, um, along with my other family members that had joined um, the military, um, had always taught us growing up was um, honoring um, someone. And so if you're honoring those that are gone, um, which is what we should do because it is the right thing to do. Um, but we also need to honor those who live. Um, and I think that by giving back, that is our expression of, of true honor. And everyone can be a hero. Um, you know, if you give back for um, not just good, sometimes you have to fight. And unfortunately, with um, what's happened in our politics, we now have to fight um, even harder. Um, but that's okay, because um, that's, I think, what we were created to do anyway, is just to be fighters, and sometimes we have to fight for ourselves, and sometimes we have to fight for others. But in conclusion, out of all of that, <laughs> sorry, I'm not very good at this, but um, as you remember, um, one of the main things that I'm really looking forward to um, is not just attending and being part of the community, but also continuing to learn about everyone um, and what else we can, we can potentially do for our community and how, how far we can actually take it because I just have a, a wonderful feeling about this place, um, whereas before it was tragic. <laughs> But um, I think 
the voices here are being heard, um, you know, in our community and even even further out. So, um, you know, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, and thank you for uh, inviting me.